Iowa everywhere. Ready, Hawk fans? John Miller is going in-depth with analysis and breakdown. Answers, insights, and a look ahead to next week. It's Hawkeye Sunday with John Miller. Only on Iowa Everywhere. Hawkeye Reaction Podcast. John Miller here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. After Iowa's 24-3 victory against Purdue on the fifth day of November 2022, uh, the Hawkeye offense for the second consecutive week looked competent. Uh, maybe at times even more than competent. Dare I say good? Well, maybe we don't want to go that far yet. Um, but really taking some positive steps. It was a lot of fun to watch that game. That was probably the most fun I've had watching an Iowa football game. Whew. It's been a it's been a minute. Um, I'm, I can't remember exactly how last season ended, but um, you know with the order of the games and exactly how Iowa played. But th- this is certainly the most fun I've had this year watching an Iowa football game, and it, it felt like it felt like Iowa dictated terms by and large in the majority of the phases of the game. For the second consecutive week, Iowa's offensive line looked good. Um, Not just competent, but good. And that is something that this program has done in the past. Developmental program, yada, yada, yada. You've heard that before. But it's developmental because the offensive line sometimes takes longer to come into its own than other areas of the program. An offensive line for this program is maybe more important than offensive line for other programs. And that's not to say that it's not important for other programs. But given that I, given the type of offensive system and scheme that Iowa wants to run, offensive line is incredibly important. The same can be said for defensive line for Iowa, given the type of scheme that they want to run and employ there. But the offensive scheme that Iowa wants to run, the off, you know, their, their commitment to zone blocking, uh, their commitment to fullback in and crowding the box, you know, that is what it is. But if that's what they're going to do, there may be no more important position in the, in the program than offensive line. And as I say that, I stop myself and I'm going to retract. Defensive line is the most important position to Iowa. Without the consistency of the defensive line through the years, Iowa would probably be a six-win program year in and year out. But because of the excellence on defense that starts with the line and then bleeds back, as well as obviously the outstanding secondary play, but that secondary isn't going to be as outstanding without the defensive line. Um, you know, Iowa would be you know probably an average FBS program, but their defense has been exceptional. Their defensive line has been exceptional year in year out. So they are uh, an above average FBS program. Matter of fact, you know they're one of the winningest FBS programs um, in the last decade. You know, probably top fifteen or so. So offensive line. Very important to Iowa, outweighed importance relative to its peers. And for the second consecutive game, the offensive line grew, got better, looked good. And that is a good sign 
as we come down the home stretch of this season with three games left to play. Also for the second consecutive game, Spencer Petrus looked competent and dare I say at times better than competent. Um, 13 of 23, 192 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. And the wind uh, was a huge challenge yesterday. Clearly, it was a challenge for Iowa. It was a challenge for Purdue. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, uh, a, a very good quarterback on the other side for Purdue, he was 20 of 43. Uh, that's a completion percentage less than 50% for just 168 yards. Um no touchdowns and two interceptions. I mean, obviously, Petrus didn't have to go against the Iowa defense, but you know that's that's a winning effort for an Iowa quarterback. Thirteen of twenty-three for one hundred and ninety-two yards, two touchdown passes, and no interceptions. If your Iowa quarterback year in and year out could average that, you're probably nine wins, given what you have on the other side of the ball with the defense certainly helped um and we're going to get back to spencer petrus here in a bit relative to some of his post-game comments that i think people are losing their minds over um unnecessarily caleb johnson welcome to the show um it's been evident for the last several weeks that caleb johnson is iowa's best running back rb1 um with both the williams's uh, nursing some wounds this week and not really Available. Um, LaShawn played a little, but not much. Jazzlin Patterson, another freshman running back, he had four rushes, four attempts. Um, Caleb Johnson is RB1 with a bullet, and it is probably going to be that way, you know, until he chooses to leave early for the NFL. 22 attempts, 200 yards, including a long of 75. And he just continues to mystify me. Mystify me, meaning when I watch him run, I can't put my mind on someone else that has his style. You know, Eric Dickerson was an upright runner, and yeah, Johnson runs a little upright. Um, Dickerson glided out there, made it look like, made it look effortless at times. Johnson makes it look effortless. It makes it look like he's half-assing it at times, which he's not. You know, that 75-yard run that he scored on, if you watch that back, and, and there are links all throughout Twitter that you can find, watch it back in a, in a setting or a way where you can control, you hit pause at the start of the run, and then you can control the, the cursor. You can move it backwards and forwards incrementally as you want to slide it, and you can see basically a slow motion. First of all, watch when he gets the handoff and ask yourself, does that look like this is going to be something that breaks for 75 yards? It does not. And then a few more, st his first two steps, there's like four guys around him. And it looks like, okay, if he's going to go 75 yards here, he's going to go to the outside because that looks like the area that he should go to. Well, he doesn't. He makes an, an outside head fake, and then he goes back to the inside. And he basically stones the dude that was in the hole. He had to make one guy miss. Purdue, um, Purdue 
was talking to themselves on defense prior to the snap that it was second and 10, I believe. And Iowa's second and 10 run tendency is really, really strong. And Purdue's defensive players were pointing and talking as if they knew exactly what was coming. And Iowa ran a split zone on them and it was blocked up well but it was up to Caleb Johnson to make one person miss to get into the second level and maybe have a chance at a 10 to 20 yard gain. He did that. The safety did not have a chance at that point in time. And Johnson, two steps after he got through the hole and got past that first guy that he had to make miss, he began to cut to the outside. And I kind of noticed something in watching this um, in slow motion over and over dragging the cursor back and forth it just looks like when he made that decision to cut to the outside he began to dig um, as he was turning running as he was turning he wasn't in a straight line he was turning but it looked like he began to dig and he was just getting a, a different type of push off the ground with his legs and he was doing it as he was turning and he he just does things that are almost imperceptible to gain speed um and maybe it's just his lean his posture i don't know what it is it's one of the more funky things I, i can recall seeing but it's effective and he's moving and he pulled away from everyone he's got power he's got balance He's got acceleration, and he's got top-end speed. And as he matures and grows and becomes more familiar with the nuances of running behind this zone-blocking scheme, uh, the the limits for him are endless. And this offensive line is getting better, coinciding at a time with a more favorable schedule for sure. But also with Caleb Johnson having had some experience under his belt, the timing is really, really good. And that offensive line next year is going to be, I think, considerably better than what we're seeing now because it's going to be most of the same faces in addition to Caden Proctor. Proctor probably starting out his Iowa career at right tackle would be my guess, unless Mason Richmond is um, you know, competent and comfortable going over to the right side. But my guess it'll be right tackle the way that it was for Christian Wirfs. But that was because Alaric Jackson really couldn't make that move to the right side. Um, so Iowa went with what they went with. But you know, you're looking at Richmond and Colby and Jones at center, and you know, four of your five starters on your line this year are returning next year, and you throw Proctor in, and the line's starting to get it right now. Man, that bodes really, really well for a lot of things. But Caleb Johnson is a superstar. Um, in this game, uh, Charlie Jones. He, he got hit a few times. He had 11 catches for 104 yards. He was targeted 19 times. <laughs> Good grief. Um, Iowa with 376 total yards to 255 for Purdue. Now that's probably about 150 at least yards lower below Purdue's normal um, yardage average. Purdue with just 87 yards rushing. Iowa 184 as a team. Um, 
Iowa had 15 first downs. Iowa just 4 of 14 on third downs. They were 4 of 8 at halftime, which meant they were 0 of 6 in the second half. But Iowa kind of put things in a lockbox after um, after Johnson's 75-yard run on second and 10. That did not give them – well, never mind. Um, total plays, 58 for Iowa. 74 for Purdue. Iowa averaged 6.5 yards per play. Purdue just 3.4. Um, Iowa averaging 5.3 yards per rush. Iowa with over 200 team yards rushing uh, before you take away sacks. Iowa also with five tackles for loss and three sacks. Some of the more um, advanced, they call them advanced statistics. Um, Iowa, 24 first down plays. They averaged 6.2 yards on first down, 148 yards. Purdue, just 3.8 yards per average. Um, Iowa averaged 6.5 yards rushing on 15 first down rushing attempts. Um, they were sacked twice on first down. You know, I was kind of getting irritated. I'm like, you know, you're running the ball real well. What, what are you putting yourself in a hole for? But anyway. Um, I was uh, see some other where is that average yards per attempt for Iowa 4.6 for Purdue it was and this this is on third down let me let me see if I can't find overall uh, third downs that was third down efficiency um, I can't see it real I can't see it right offhand but um, just a phenomenal day. Phenomenal day for Iowa. Um, offense, again, approaching competence. Now, over on the defensive side of things, um, I thought that Cooper DeGene played really well. It's almost like they had him lining up on uh, on Charlie Jones consistently following him across the field. He, I think he did a fantastic job. I mean, again, no touchdowns for Purdue. I think it had been since 2013 since Purdue had not scored a touchdown in a game. Maybe. I thought Jay Higgins played really well. Uh, the secondary was lights out. Uh, Riley Moss, uh, that guy has some a high opinion of himself. He carries himself with some swagger. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, but, you know, Jack Campbell led Iowa with six tackles, also tied with Quentin Schulte. Six tackles. That is not a lot of tackles. That goes to show you that of the 74 plays that Purdue ran, um, over 20 of them were incomplete passes that nobody gets a tackle for. Um, 56 total tackles for Iowa on the day. Sacks by... uh, Deontay Craig played a great game. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, absolute monster. Uh, Evans is just, he's getting 100% of his athletic ability. He, he, he is maximizing it, and you love to see that. Just a phenomenal sack in that game. I think Castro has played a really good role while uh, Terry Roberts has been out. Uh, Y.A. Black, nice to see him getting back in the mix there. Um, Noah Shannon, just a stalwart. I mean, this defense is, yeah, they're losing some linebackers next year. And, and Jack Campbell is, you know, they, they talked about it a little bit on the television. But, you know, Dolphin Podolak also talk about it. And I mostly listen to them. And, and I agree with them. I think Jack Campbell's maybe the best linebacker they've had. And that says a lot. 
when you consider Fred Barr, Abdul Hodge, Chad Greenway, uh, Josie Jewell, Pat Anger, the list goes on and on. I think Jack Campbell's the best. Torrey Taylor with eight punts in this game and an average of 51.8 and a long of 70. And that one that just kept skipping. And I mean, the guy is... Guy's a freak. He's the second best punter they've ever had behind Reggie Roby. I, I don't know that there's any doubt about that. Drew Stevens did miss from 44. He had a doink. It looks like he kind of short stabbed that kick because he had the wind at his back and wasn't trying to overdo it. And I think that turned out to be his demise. But I mean, it was a windy day and you know, a lot of weird things can happen. But all in all, just a just an outstanding game by Iowa and Iowa's you know now they're just 129th in total offense nationally Um, but their average is up to 262 yards per game if I look at I'm going to go here and look at total offense and just see uh, I'm going to go to page three because that's where Iowa resides on Um, New Mexico is now last at 247 Iowa's at 262 you know to get to get to 100th Iowa would have to average over 350 yards a game. That's not happening this year, so they're not going to get to 100. Uh, but you know, they 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 don't they don't have to. They don't have to. Wisconsin is at 74th, by the way, at 386 a game, and that's Iowa's next foe. Uh, other NCAA statistics: rushing offense 118th, passing offense 120th, passing efficiency 122nd, scoring offense 125th, total defense third, rushing defense. Eight, uh, passing yards allowed, 10th. I mean, when you're team pass efficiency defense, fifth. When you're top 10 in both rushing and passing defense, that that's you're amazing. Scoring defense, fifth. Third down conversion defense, 14th. Um, yeah, so... There you have that. Iowa has Wisconsin at home this next week. Don't know anything about the weather yet. But Wisconsin's odd man fronts have given Iowa fits. The 3-4 that they began to employ, I think when Gary Anderson came there um, after Bielema left, is, you know, it just gives Iowa fits. It gives, gives teams a lot of fits. You know, I'm really glad Iowa didn't play Wisconsin earlier this year, even though some people might say, well, John, earlier this year, Wisconsin looked gettable. Yes, but I don't think Iowa's offensive line was playing cohesively enough to handle, begin to handle the, the odd man fronts. I'm not saying they are now either. I'm not expecting Iowa's offense to look anything like it's looked the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Wisconsin's Wisconsin's got a defense. I mean, Wisconsin's defense, let's go over here. I want to see where I think they're in the top 50. Let me see your total defense for Wisconsin. If that is, I'm not saying that's the end all be all set. By the way, total defense right now, rankings through nine weeks. Illinois number one in the country, Michigan number two in the country, Iowa number three in the country, Ohio State six, Minnesota upcoming foe seventh, Iowa State tenth. Um, Rutgers moves down to 18th. You know, Iowa's off I and mean, Wisconsin's 23rd. So, you know, not a, I'm not expecting a continuation. By the way, Purdue's defense, total defense is 39th, which that's a little bit surprising. 
But uh, at any rate, I'm not expecting Iowa's offense to continue to climb the ladder this week the way that they had the last week relative to how much of stride they can grow. But it's certainly a lot more encouraging going into the Wisconsin game right now with the way Iowa has been playing of late than a few weeks ago. Um, you know, somebody, some people had sent me some tweets, hey, can Iowa still win the West? They can. I don't think they're going to. But Iowa can't win the West um, unless Illinois would lose all two things, all three of its remaining games that they would, and, and Iowa wins out. They would win. Iowa would win the West. Iowa needs to win out to win the West, I think. But um, there's probably some crazy, you know, examples where that wouldn't happen. But I, that's you know stupid. But the most realistic thing that I see <clears throat> for Iowa to win the West, Iowa wins out. Um, Illinois has two conference losses. Iowa has three conference losses. Illinois does not have a loss in the division, however. And, you know, if there's a multiple team tie atop the West, they basically go look to see the records uh, that the teams have had against one another. And making the assumption that Iowa wins out, that means that if, you know, Iowa, if Iowa, Illinois, and Purdue tied for the West with three losses, which if Iowa wins out, that's the only scenario of multiple ties with teams with three conference losses that could happen because Iowa would be giving Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, their fourth loss. So a three-way tie between Iowa, Purdue, and Illinois uh, I don't. Uh, Illinois is going to wind up winning that tiebreaker because you're going to get down to record uh, against the division, and Purdue's record against the division is would be worse than Iowa and Illinois, which they, Iowa and Illinois would have the same winning percentage against the division. That removes Purdue, and he gets Iowa and Illinois into the two head-to-head tiebreaker again, and Iowa lost to Illinois. So it just doesn't seem likely unless Illinois would like lose, um, you know. One, two, two more. If Illinois loses two more and Iowa wins out, then yeah, Iowa's there. Anyway, um, another thing I wanted to talk about is um, Spencer Petrus. So Chad Leistico, the Des Moines Register, tweeted something out after the game, a, a Spencer Petrus quote. Here's the quote. This is Spencer Petrus talking. No offense to anyone in here. You guys had us dead two weeks ago, as did the whole outside world, it felt like. But that's not what football is. It's a week-to-week game. You keep working, and if you do things right, you work hard, good results will happen. End quote. Now, Peters was asked a question, what this win meant for the program, big picture-wise. right? Now, um, fellow Iowa Everywhere podcaster Chris Hassel um, had an opinion on this uh, last night. He basically retweeted Lysico's tweet, and he said, not a fan of this. And I tweeted back at Chris and why not? What did he say that isn't true? And, and Chris felt that he shouldn't just shouldn't have been said. He's earned the right to clap back a bit, but come on, it's not like it wasn't. It's not like it wasn't warranted. Meaning the criticisms that Spencer faced. They had the worst offense in the country for half the season. That's true. And the reactions to uh, Chris Hassel's tweet were mixed. 
There were some people that agreed with him. There were some people that didn't. I, I will say I don't agree with Chris in this instance, and this certainly isn't a hill to die on, and I'm not going after Chris here. The way I look at it, and, and your opinion is your opinion, and it's just as valid as mine. But the way I look at it is, first of all, the context of the question he was asked. He wasn't asked to talk about his own performance and defend himself. He was asked about what the last couple of weeks and a win like this mean for the team in the big picture. And then let's read his re response, having provided that context. No offense to anyone in here. You guys had us dead two weeks ago, as did the whole outside world, it felt like. But that's not what football is. It's a week-to-week -week game. You keep working, and if you do things right, work hard, good results will happen. That seems like a pretty appropriate answer a non-confrontational answer to the question that was asked. However, that quote just provided without context to what question was asked, I can see why some people may bristle. I didn't. Well, John, how come you're not bristling? Man, I've been given opinions in the public forum since 1999. Some of you listening to this, you weren't even born. Been waiting a long time to say something like that. I've earned it. Um, so I live, I've been living daily for about the last, I don't know, 8,365 days. I looked it up last night where I get criticized every day. I am criticized every day related to things that I say. Certainly, I get criticized on the regular for things that I do or don't do around the house, but those are all deserved, by and large, the majority, mostly. I may get criticized in my work, and you do too. We, we all face criticism, but I've just been living in a world where criticism is a part of breathing, a part of my daily routine the same way breathing is. I just don't see, this to me is a nothing burger. This, to me, is a quarterback um, who is speaking about his team, how nobody quit when the rest of the world quit on them and the rest of the world did. They didn't quit on themselves. They didn't point fingers. They didn't blow things up. And you have to hand it to Kirk Ferentz coach teams. It's not like this is the first time their backs have been against the wall. And it's not like they've been set free of the wall just yet. But they have responded over and over again. And I am not saying that anyone was wrong to leave them for dead when you have a his an historically bad offense that we saw through the first seven games. Historically bad still just fighting to be competent. So I don't blame you. But this comment from Petrus is hardly a clap back or a punch back or somebody feeling themselves and sowing their oats. It's I don't see it that way at all. I think there's a lot of sensitive people if you're seeing it that way. Spencer was talking about what was asked. So... At any rate, that is my take on that. Let the kids have their fun. Let them breathe a little bit. My guess, that was probably a bit cathartic for Petrus 
as benign as I think it was to begin with. Let them, I mean, some of you that are listening to this, some of you have not sent a bad tweet or a negative tweet or a critical tweet, tweet, whatever. I'm not saying everyone, but I'm guessing most people either tweeted, thought about it, talked to their friends about it. These Hawkeyes suck. This team sucks. Or this team's no fun. That would be me. They just won two games. They're improving and they're, they feel good about it. And Spencer's comments were hardly, uh, how you like me now? And it wasn't a cool Modi moment. It was a rather benign answer to a question that was asked. And without the context of the question, the answer can seem a little more, I guess, for some people, um, combative. Don't see it at all. Tempest in a teapot. Listen, considering the number of things that have been said this year that I think are worthy of criticism by the coaching staff, by Kirk, by Brian, by others, this is a nothing, nothing burger. Anyway, now that does sound like me telling you how to think, and I absolutely loathe when commenters do that. So listen, I'm not telling you to change your opinion. I'm just giving you mine. And am I saying that yours, I think yours is wrong? Yeah. But that that's, I'm not the arbiter of right or wrong. So is what it is. Uh, which feels like we've come to the end of this podcast, this installment of it. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you being here. And uh, we will talk with you later this week. Iowa everywhere.